أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين السلام عليكم brothers and sisters I hope everyone is doing well and welcome to another episode of the Tafsir of Dua Kumail podcast in the last episode we ended here where we were talking about Ali ibn Abi Talib posing this question and the question was whether Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would forgive somebody who has wronged him, who has sinned essentially, but is now asking for forgiveness. And we went through the answer to this question of why Ali ibn Abi Talib would ask this question when we know that God is going to forgive people for sure if they come back to him with, an, with a sincere apology, with a sincere repentance. The answer to that question, of course, was twofold. The first reason was to explain that Ali ibn, uh, Ali ibn Abi Talib, in other words, is saying, this idea of you punishing me, it's not a crazy question. It's worth mentioning because I am worthy of punishment. Even though you're kind, even though you have told me that you will accept my repentance, that doesn't mean that I wasn't worthy of punishment. And the verses of the Quran talk about this, that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to take uh, the sins of people, if he were to take their actions and punish people based on their actions, the verses of the Quran say that there would be no living being on earth. In other words, there would be so many different disasters, right, whether they're natural or of other types, that there would be no living being on earth. Right? So he's saying, first of all, I'm worthy of it. So asking this question of whether he's going to forgive me or not, that's not a crazy question. Number two is that I am not going to take his forgiveness for granted. Right? I'm not going to act as if it's a done deal, even though he himself has made it wajib upon himself. He has made it obligatory upon himself to forgive me, but I'm not going to act as if that's a done deal out of being polite, out of the manners that I have. Okay, And we also talked about how not just when it comes to the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but with other blessings that we are not to take them for granted. Okay. Then we moved on to this line. Ya Allah, you know how even the little difficulties that I go through in this life, even these frustrate me, even these make life difficult for me. Right? And we said that through this line, Ali ibn Abi Talib is then going to draw a conclusion. And a couple lines later, where he says, Well, if I can't take the difficulties of this world, then how am I supposed to take the difficulties of the next world? And we said essentially what he's doing here is he's making a connection between the difficulties that we go through in this world, the bala of this world, and the difficulties slash punishments that one would have to endure uh, when it comes to the next world. Now, this is a concept and a practice that is embedded within Islam. This is something that Islam teaches us, that whenever we're going through a rough time, that when we're going through a hard time, for this to remind us that the punishment of the hereafter is going to be even more difficult. We have, for example, hadith that when, you know, back in the day when they used to go to the shower, showers were very different today compared to back in the day. And what they used to do back in the day is that they had a particular section where there was water that was boiling, right? This boiling hot water, right? It wasn't like you could regulate it as much as you can regulate it today when you go into the shower. So it was very different back in the day. And people would pass by this boiling water. And the hadith says that when you go to the shower and you see the boiling water, right? 
this is to remind you of the boiling that happens in the hellfire. So this connection between this world and the next world, the difficulties of this world and the next world. And then again in our hadith we have that when someone fasts, one of the reasons why this fasting is recommended, uh, recommended in the sense that it has been prescribed for us, it is wajib for us, is that it is to remind a person of the hunger that he will feel on the Day of Judgment for those whose accounting will take very long. Some people, their, their whole situation is very simple to count their good deeds and count their bad deeds. For some people who are wrongdoers, the counting takes a longer time. And this is part of their punishment, right? And the hadith says that on that day they will be hungry while they are waiting. So the hadith says that when you fast in this world, you are supposed to make a mental connection. That if this is difficult, what is it going to be like when I have to stand there on the day of judgment waiting while I am still hungry? Okay, so this making this connection is something that we have in Islam. And Ali ibn Abi Talib is doing the same thing. And we know also that when we go through difficulties, this is to remind us that what if, if I can't even go through this difficulty, then how am I supposed to deal with the difficulties that are going to come uh, in the next world? Okay, And then he continues, and this is still part of the same uh, statement that he's making. And you know of those difficulties, of those tough times that the people of this world go through. Now, what we know from Quran and Hadith is that really, truly, this world is full of difficulties. We are sold this idea, unfortunately, that there is such a thing as a happy life. There is such a thing as a fully, you know, dandy life out there. There is such a thing as a life where you come home and you do your thing and every day is just going very well. That's not how life is. That's not how life will ever be. There is always a peace in our lives that will be missing. That is the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised to us. Because He has promised to us that He's going to test us. And that's the only way you test somebody. right? You take something away from them to see how things are going to be going. You put them in an uncomfortable situation, essentially. right? So we know that everyone who comes into this world, as the, the dua is saying, The people of this world, anyone who lives in this world, they're going to be going through difficulties. It's not like this this world has this perfect life for some people. And for you and me, no, we're struggling. No, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, even the most successful in this world, they're struggling with their own difficulties. They're struggling with the things that they have to worry about. Right? And there's more to be said about this. This is why... Uh, in our hadith, we have this saying in, in different forms and in different manners. Our hadith say that the, because of this, no matter how much you run after this dunya, no matter how much you run after this world, you will still feel thirsty and hungry at the end of the day to get a bigger piece of it. There is no point of it that you will, you know, at no point do you run after this dunya and attain it and then feel satisfied and then feel satiated. That's not how it works. It will just keep you coming. So one of the ahadith that I really enjoy, uh, and it's one of my favorite ahadith that talks about um, the dunya, is this. The Ma'asum says that the dunya is like the water of the sea. 
the more you drink of it, the more you'll be thirsty, right? The water of the sea, right? It's It's got salt in it, right? And it's salty. And so the more you drink, right, that's more sodium in your body. And the, that means you, you're more thirsty now. And it doesn't matter how much you drink of it. It's only going to make you more thirsty. And this is how the dunya works, essentially. Because it works in this way, everyone is going through difficulties. But the dunya is, you know, kind of good at hiding it. In another hadith, this one is from Ali ibn Abi Talib, right? He says this. It's very beautiful. He says, He says, this world is like a snake. Okay, the analogy of this world is like that of a snake. When you touch the snake, right, it's extremely soft on the outside. Right? That's why you have, you know, bags and furniture and, you know, whatnot made of the skin of snakes. Because it's soft, because it even looks nice, right? And if you, I don't know if you've seen those competitions they have or, or you know, those games that they, that they have where you're supposed to touch something without being able to see it, right? And you have to guess what's inside the box, right? If you were to touch a snake, you would see, oh, this is really soft, right? And, and your hand just slides over the skin <laughs> of the snake. But the verse, the hadith is saying, shadidun nahshuha. But when his poison comes your way, his poison is very severe. It's very dangerous. Right? It's very threatening. And then he says this, So turn away from the things in this world that make you fall in love with them. Because of how little they will remain for you. How little they will spend time with you. How little they will still be there with you. In other words, you're only going to be acquainted with this part of the dunya for a day, two days, a year, ten years. Don't fall in love with it. Because they're only going to be there for a little amount of time. And he says, the more you spend time with this dunya, Right? And the more you're acquainted with this dunya, feel more endangered, feel more threatened, have your guard up. The more you have to spend time with this dunya, the more you should worry about the fact that you might get used to this dunya always being there where the reality is that it's not going to be there. It's very beautiful. He says, let me tell you why I keep telling you to be careful. The reason why I keep telling you that the more you spend time with this dunya, the more you have to be careful is because every single time a person starts to feel confident because they see something good from this dunya, then a difficulty will come their way and all of a sudden their happiness is gone. But here's the thing. If they expect that happiness to leave, then they won't be so upset when it leaves. But if they minha, if they feel confident, right? If they've settled down with this dunya, so to speak, then when it comes, then ashatahu, it will make them very upset, right? It will shake their core. So the reason why these ahadith speak about the dunya acting in this weird way, and that we have multiple ahadith about this, is that essentially this dunya is full of difficulties. But for some reason, you know, it has a good way of hiding it, right? And it has a good way of not showing the fact that 
you know, these difficulties or, 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 you know, whatever we have in this world will always come and will always be acquainted with its own difficulties. Anyways, moving on. So he made two uh, statements so far. He said, first of all, You know, I struggle. You know of these difficulties that the people of this dunya have to go through. Even though you know that above all of this, this bala and this difficulty that they have to go through in this world, it's only there for a little while. And it's very little. Its period is always being cut short. Even the difficulties that we go in through, through this world, right? These difficulties, they're only there usually for a little bit of time. And this is one of the signs of maturity. If someone can really understand that the difficulties in life are only there for a little while. And then things will change. And then things will change again. And then things will change again. <laughs> and that's just the reality of our life. That's where we have that famous hadith from Ali ibn Abi Talib from. Where he says that the world, the life in this world is of two days, right? One day is for you. One day things are going well. And some days, right, things are going against you. And he says that the days that things are going well for you, right, make sure you don't get too arrogant. You make sure you don't forget about God. And the days that things are going, you know, tough and, and things are very difficult, make sure that you don't lose your patience. So that's another sign of maturity, really, understanding that things are constantly going to change. In the words of the verses of the Quran, these days, right, they they just we just pass these days in the hands of people. In other words, one day it's good, one day it's bad. One day this person is in charge, the next day another person is in charge. One day this guy is famous. The next day this guy, he's not famous, someone else is going to be famous instead of him. One day this guy is the, you know, the record holder, right? And everybody's looking up to this guy. And then the moment his record is broken, all of a sudden all his fame is shattered, right? Nobody cares about number 2 anymore, and everybody cares about number 1. Now number 1 is the talk of the town. And that's just how life is going to be. So that's another thing that the Dua is explaining, right? It's implying that really the difficulties that we go through in this world, they're limited. Their time is limited even while you're going through them, right? Their substance is limited as well. Sometimes the difficulties we go through, even the biggest difficulties, and shaitan has a good way, and I speak of myself, he has a good way of making us think and assume that this, this is how life is going to be for the rest of our life. Whereas the reality is that, uh, you know, that's not how life is going to be for the rest of our life. Uh, you know, we're going through this, as I'm recording this right now, we're going through this uh, worldwide pandemic, right? And, uh, you know, the coronavirus pandemic. And so shaitan is very good at, you know, making his way into our head and, you know, making us essentially, you know, feel overwhelmed that, oh my God, this is, this is how it's going to be forever, Whereas there were people who went through this before, right? Maybe some of our parents even remember situations that they've had to deal with. Maybe not exactly in the similar way, but, you know, kind of situations that were kind of similar. So anyways, he says the difficulties of these world, of this world, I'm struggling with them. But even above that, even though, I, you know, I'm struggling with them, even though they are, you know, they have a very limited amount of time, right? And they're only there for a limited amount of time. 
فكيف احتمال لبلاء الآخرة وجليل وقوع المكاره فيها So how on earth do you expect me <laughs> That's my wording of course How on earth would you expect me to be able to tolerate the difficulties of the next world, right? This is such a beautiful way of speaking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Really taking your vulnerability, putting it in your hands, right? And presenting it to God, right? That like, I really like struggle with things in this world. How with your kindness and your mercy, you need to do something <laughs> that I won't have to go through these difficulties and these punishments in the next world. Because you know, I'm barely making it through this. How am I going to be able to make it through those difficulties? And the great ordeals that, that will occur in, in the next world, right? It's very beautiful that uh, we have this beautiful hadith I want to share here about a comparison between the next world and this world, right? It's very beautiful. I remember I read this maybe five, six years ago and it stuck with me from the moment I, I heard it. It was actually a, a, a mentor of mine who, who read this to me and shared this with me. And I still remember where we were when he was sharing this with me. Um, and he read it to us. But essentially, this is it's a line from Ali ibn Abi Talib. He says, كُلُّ شَيْءٍ مِّنَ الدُّنْيَا سِمَعُهُ or سَمَعُهُ أَعْدَمُ مِنْ عَيَانَهِ He says, everything in this world, okay, hearing about it makes it look and sound like a bigger deal, makes it sound like it's bigger then you actually seeing it and experiencing it, right? Like you say, your friend goes on a trip. Oh my God, this trip was so great. It was so awesome, right? And in your mind, you're like, oh man, I wish I could go on this trip. And then when you actually go on the trip, you're like, oh, it was just this? Like the way you were talking about it, you made it sound like if I went on this trip, all my problems would be solved. Um, I actually didn't even have too much fun. Right. Or maybe I had fun, but it wasn't it just wasn't like, you know, this absolute ecstasy that you were talking about. So everything in this world, everything in this world, when you hear about it, it seems as if it is bigger. It comes off as being bigger than what it really is. But everything when it comes to the Akhirah, experiencing it is always greater than what you've heard. What does that mean? That means that there's no way they can explain to you what the experience of it is going to be like. Like you won't understand. Like it, you cannot put that into words, right? Because then when you go and experience it, then you'll find that the experience is always greater. Whereas with this world, no. In this world, they make things sound huge. But when you live that life for a little bit, then you get used to it very quickly. The richest people on earth, right? Ask people who won lotteries, right? After they win the lottery and things settle down after a couple of months, after a couple of years, what happens? It's like, oh, so we've lived through that, right? And we've already had that experience, right? So he continues, he says, Now that you know that everything in the next world, experiencing it is going to be bigger than what you've heard, then at least just take what they are saying, right? And just assume that what they're saying is true. Forget about experiencing it. You won't be able to experience it right now. At least when the Quran tells you that this is going to happen, just at least picture Qiyamah at the level that you hear from the Quran. Otherwise, if the Quran really wanted to tell us, if God really wanted to tell us, we wouldn't understand. 
And this is why, by the way, brothers and sisters, verses of the Quran that speak about hell and heaven, right? And about the details of hell and heaven, they might sometimes strike us as odd, right? Like the Quran talks about rivers of honey. Well, who wants to drink rivers of honey, right? But these are things that we may not fully understand while we're still here in this world. Or the Quran talks about, for example, the punishments of hellfire, that there is a tree in hellfire, right? And that this tree known as the tree of Shajarat al-Zaqum, the tree of Zaqum, that, you know, its fruits look like the heads of shayateen. It strikes us as odd. Why? Because there's no way you can put this into words because everything from the Akhirah, experiencing it and seeing it and going through it is actually bigger than what we hear. Why? Because you can't put it into words and you won't be able to explain it with the words that we have. He continues with the next line and he says, How am I supposed to go through these difficulties? You are telling me to go through these difficulties, whereas in that world, they're going to be there, they're going to be consistent, they're not going to go away, they're permanent. And the people who are going through these punishments, right? There is no, it's not as if the punishment is lessened for them. At no point is the punishment lessened for the people who are going through this punishment in the hereafter. How am I supposed to go through something like this? Inshallah, this and the following lines will continue with in the next episode.